Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Now, we are here, guys, to talk about the finale of the Narnia series, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord. <laughs> Wait, Narnia? I didn't There's, know this I'm was I'm pretty sure it's a Narnia episode, right? <laughs> Narnia yeah. movie? I, 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 yeah, I did, I did like the. It's a nice uh, play on words, right? Instead of the line, the witch and the ward, war, wardrobe, it's the Jedi, the I, witch and the warlord. <laughs> I did almost mess it up as I was saying it too. I was like, wait, isn't it wardrobe? No, that's, that is the actual Narnia. It's the actual, no, this is actually yeah. the warlord. And we know, you know, Star Wars takes a lot of influence from both Lord of the Rings and Narnia in, in many ways. So, um, yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's a, it's appropriate and it's, it's, it's very accurate, uh, an accurate title. Oh, God, for, it's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into it though. Ahsoka is now uh it's now in the river mirror. We've we've seen the entire first season. We don't even know if we're getting a second. We I think hope so. We'll say there's a lot of speculation for uh, the recap episode that we'll do in a couple weeks. But first, before we dive in, uh for those of you still wanting to bask in the Ahsoka um uh awesomeness right uh their part two of the the season one soundtrack is out now with all of the great themes from the world between worlds and then the clone wars return and anakin and then the, you know the everything that happens on peridia and the night sisters oh it's just it's such a good soundtrack the kiners do such a, an amazing job so yeah go uh go check that out um with that, should we should we get into our review yeah. of the finale, the Tom? Time rundown. I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. This this is going to be a good one, folks. This is Ahsoka Part Eight, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, and written by Dave Filoni. In this episode, the heroes race to prevent Grand Admiral Thrawn's escape. No, they don't. <sighs> Well, they don't race. there's no racing involved. There's, there's a well, little bit. They're on, the, they're, they're on a couple of howlers. There, there's a little bit of it, right? I think the it, it starts off. It starts off, you know, yeah, they don't have a ton of urgency at the beginning, right? They, no. I think maybe part of it is they wanted to rebuild. They wanted to allow time to prep and build Ezra's lightsaber. But it was a little odd that they didn't have a lot of urgency. Steven. It's, I think it's the framing, like, especially... And in some ways, actually, I think it's actually probably more the way they frame the show, not what Ahsoka and Ezra know. Um, like, they obviously know Thrawn is going to be leaving, but, like, mm-hmm. they haven't heard of Thrawn's, like, timers that he's been giving to folks. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the issue really shines is because, like, we keep hearing, like, oh, Thrawn's getting ready to leave. We've got a little, like, he even has it, I think, in one of the previous episodes, that, like, countdown clock of, like, oh, we're, we're moving the coffins in or whatever. Um, so we know there's only so much time left. And then we like, and we'll talk about the opening scene with Morgan, but like we then cut to like literally moving at a snail's pace. And I get that Ezra's building his lightsaber, they're getting ready, et cetera, et cetera. But it it's, it's an a odd, really yeah. It, it's, it's a weird odd. way to start off the episode. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is just not quite the that's not the tone I think you want in going into a finale, usually. 
like normally you're in that like break nest, like we got to stop him in time. And we literally start out with like the most sedate, like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll go with the slug snail, literal snails pace, like mobile homes, you know, famously speed and reckless. Yeah, uh, there, there was no urgency. Right. Yeah, yeah, there was no urgency to, to start the episode off. That's why I'm. We'll get into this for the the recap of the episodes and speculation for the second season. But the one thing that I really wanted was an urgency. Like he's leaving. We need to prevent this now. Mm -hmm. Understand Ezra having to build his lightsaber and love the little call out to Kanan. But that urgency was just not there. I feel like it would have it would have. it would have worked better because I, I completely agree, right? The urgency is the one thing that I feel like the show is lacking a little bit. I yeah. feel like it worked, would have worked better if the sequence with Ezra building his lightsaber was in the previous episode. And then they're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, like we have to go build this quickly, but we, you know, we, he's going to need a lightsaber though, right? Obviously. Um, he, he was great fighting with his, you know, in, in the last season or in the last episode with the force. That was cool, but let's be real. He needs a lightsaber and they quickly put it together like, okay, let's go. Right. And then it stopped. And then this episode could at least have that full, not, not exclusively action. Right. But at least more of a, more of that, more of that sense of urgency, but yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I, it's okay. Like you mentioned though, Tom, I did really enjoy Ezra and Hu Yang is like they're building lightsaber, the call out. Specifically on like Kanan's lightsaber emitter being uh, more narrow, yep. Um, which results in you know the the rebel style lightsabers. I thought was a, a very yes <laughs> a, a fun kind of callback and way to do it. Yeah, um, yes, it's the animation style in some ways, but it's also like it's also the hilt, right? It, it, yeah, as Kanan's lightsaber is a lot more narrow, and it yeah, I mm-hmm. love that yeah. little it, little it, detail. Really and I, I really just sorry, and this is is a it's a. Well, again, this gets into the re- series recap. But like, as a sequel to Rebels, the call out on, like, you know, Huyang commenting on Ezra being Kanan's Padawan and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right that he has the sister emitter to Kanan's, um, and connecting ke- connecting that through line. I thought was just mm-hmm. beautiful. Well, I think also didn't Huyang make a comment about how Ezra, when he was putting the lightsaber together, it was kind of like the same way Kanan did. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and that's that was also a great little callback because he could definitely tell that, oh yeah, I could tell that he was your master because you've got the same kind of traits that came from him. Yeah. And as you called out, Stephen, it was nice to see that call out of the emitter when when Hu Yang said, Oh, I only had two and I thought I would keep this one as a spare, but I might as well give it to you. Right. It's one of the nice things about having a droid like Hu Yang in the show. He's been around for so long. He knows all of the Jedi and he can see Mm -hmm. the similarities and how, you know, of course not everyone builds a lightsaber the exact same way. And it's passed down from master to apprentice and, and and he can kind of see the, the lineage for, for, if you will. So I I really like that quite a bit. And, and even the fact that it was funny when Kanan's name was brought up at first, I was like, but Yang wouldn't have known him as Kanan. He would have known him as Caleb. And then right. a little bit later, Hu Yang even calls Kanan as Caleb. You know, of course, Caleb Doom was his 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 Je- his name as a Jedi before uh, Order sixty six, and he he changed it to Kanan Jarrus. And so it's those little details like that. Of course, Hu Yang would have heard about it from Ahsoka, maybe or, or whomever. Mm-hmm. It's 
it, yeah, it's it's I love all those little those little moments are just fantastic. Um yeah. So so let's talk about Morgan then. So that's the that's the actual opening for the show. Uh Morgan is rewarded for her loyalty. Um and yeah, like she I don't even like what what would you describe it? Like does she become a great mother is what it kind of seems I, like? Like she's been <sighs> bestowed their their powers. There's almost a part of me thinking she was like a great mother almost in waiting. Because she is definitely a step up of a night sister or whatever kind of high ranking night sister. But I don't think she was on the same level as them. Because if she was, um, she wouldn't have met the fate, I think. Well, she wouldn't have met the fate that she did within this episode if that was supposed to be the case. I got to. Uh, yeah, at first I thought, well, I, I, I guess starting with the whole sequence was very creepy. Well, uh, oh, I, God, I got this. Yes. I get the sense that. She was originally. I thought she was like being made into a great mother herself, but mm-hmm. then I, I I realized later on the second viewing, the scene is very similar to the. I would argue almost identical in like words and everything else to the sequence when Asajj Ventress is made a true sister of the night in uh, in the Clone Wars, right? Just before Dathomir is attacked, and they even tell her again, "Are you, are you willing to leave behind your old identity?" And so. I think just maybe the process of formalizing it and making her an official night sister, whereas she's, she's of the night sister lineage, but they've all kind of been killed out. So she's more, it's more, um, it's in her blood, but she's not really officially a night sister. And this is like that induction. And we, and we see how the night sisters get these black marks on their face and how their eyes turn black. It's super creepy. It is mm-hmm. quite, yeah, quite. I, I guess, how do you guys, we've seen hints of the night sister magic throughout this this season right little hints of green here or there of course they play a big role in the clone wars but that's animation that's a very different that's a very different beast um than seeing something in live action mm-hmm. how do you think well i guess i want ask curious to hear about both of your in thoughts on two things one Personally, what did you think of the sequence being a fan of the Clone Wars? And two, uh, how do you think the average viewer will take it? Is it too far out there for the average viewer all of a sudden? I'm, I'm just curious. I, I don't know yeah. if I'd say this is necessarily too far out there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you're definitely right that it, it's weird. It's out there. Um, I suspect average viewers are perceiving it kind of as we did when we first saw some of the night sister stuff, which is like, Oh, this is just like weird force magic kind of, Mm. um, it's definitely weird, but I don't know if they would feel like it's completely out of place. Uh, stuff like, I don't know, the mortis gods, for example, might get that reaction with. I suspect this just comes across as weird cult tendencies versus, um, something you know specific to like i i I, that's my assumption at least Mm -hmm. um weird but not bad see i i agree and i think what makes it work in live action compared to animation animation they could get away with more of the effects and i think when it comes to this i really like how they dialed back the effects because if they went too far overboard then it probably would have been too cheesy there was just enough for me the effects to make it work 
to where you're not going, oh, great, look at all this. They're trying to, no, there was just enough to make it believable, but not push it over the edge to where people would be like, okay, this is getting too weird for me. I think I'm going to bail out because this has now gotten to a point to where it might just be too cheesy, mm -hmm. especially when, you know, you see the zombies come back to life. It was a subtle thing The the blade, when they did the blade thing, I thought that was handled very well because they really could have gone overboard on the effects to see that blade created. So I actually, I think I disagree with you, Tom. I do think really if any place in this episode that's too far. I think it is the zombie segment. Um, really? I think it's twofold. One, having them be reanimated in that way, like very, very, like it, it's straight out of like Death Troopers almost. Oh, um, yes. Remember the book? Oh, yeah. series that I enjoyed, but I actually don't really remember very well. Um, <laughs> well, I just remember the cover because it, again, it's that such a striking image. Right. Um, but I think the the zombie stuff is so out there and kind of weird. And I think it's made worse by the fact that because we're, I don't even, I don't even say stars, not children's television, like, there's so many times where it's like, hey, do you want to know how to stop a zombie from, like, attacking you? You mm -hmm. cut off its limbs. Right. Too bad we don't have the tools to cut off limbs. Like, like oh, wait. Well, <laughs> they uh, eventually figured it out, to be fair. They did figure it out eventually. Um, yes. Kind well, the, of. Okay. I, I think they, to me, that was a place where they, they could have done more and didn't. Uh, but yeah. in any case, I think that's a an example of a place that went a little bit far. I thought the sword and all those pieces, I didn't have any issue with whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's my, interesting. Uh -huh. Go ahead, Tom. Okay. I was, I was going to say my, my thing with me, if you want to talk about the whole zombie thing that really didn't work and maybe we'll get there later, but there was a sequence of shots where they're battling the zombies that just did not work. It's like somebody dropped the ball on either how it was set, the acting, the camera work, it was a full, I'm like, that was one part just was not believable because it looked right. like they were just wa walking through the process. But Interesting. I had, okay. yeah. I, yeah, I, I had no problem with it, with at least maybe it was too quick to have the zombies reanimate, but I had no problem with how they treated it. Because like I said, if they went too much to the effect, then it probably would have been too, too much of a cheese factor yeah. of that, that part. Yeah, I know it, it's interesting perspective. I talked to some people and they're like, "Yeah, no, I totally makes sense." I've talked to other people who are like, "Oof, that was a little, it was a little bit of a bridge too far between the zombies and the Night Sisters." And it's just in Star Wars, we've never seen them go quite so. It, not in live action, I would, I, I guess, right. I, would, I should caveat right, quite so, yeah. um, quite so creepy, going more into the magic, more like really almost more hard fantasy or you know the that sort of thing zombies it's something star wars has always stayed far away from it's been always it's it's a sci-fi fantasy of course but it's it's very very different um and as a fan of the clone wars right i thought it was really cool to see i liked seeing this kind of stuff um super creepy and it makes sense right that dave filoni would bring these things in it's part of his you know clone wars universe um I love I loved all of that. Even seeing like the blade of Mother Talzin, right? The, the same mm -hmm. blade she used to fight Mace Windu in the Clone Wars, uh, be you know summoned basically. I, I don't know how else to describe it. But there's certainly people yeah. I've talked to who are like, I don't know how I felt about this whole episode. And I think it, the rest of it, 
no no problem but this or, mm-hmm. or or at least from a i highly unlikely like turn away fans this one i could see being very controversial i'll say for what it's worth yeah. my wife like she's not a huge star wars fan but she 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 loves you know grogu she loves watching mandalorian and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um she she loved kenobi less of a fan of um andor but Ahsoka, she was enjoying until they got to the Night Sister stuff. Last episode, she was like, I don't really like that. This one with the zombie, she's like, I don't like this at all. Um, mm. And I've heard that from it, other people as well. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't yeah. surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, see, right? I, yeah, of course you wouldn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things in which if you followed <clears throat> Filoni through the Clone Wars to now, you totally get it. Plus, if you've also read the books, um, the Death Trooper book, yeah. then you'll get why it's there. Yeah. Because you can also say Filoni is trying to bring in stuff that is, you know, that, that, the that from, from the expanded universe. He's trying to bring that stuff in. Yeah. No, and and it's, this was one of it. And right. it's cool. And I, I, I have to yeah. say, seeing the, we all speculated that maybe they were, you know, undead stormtroopers, right? And it sounds like mm-hmm. they, they weren't yet. But now in this episode, some of them definitely died and were reanimated, and it was creepy as heck. And it was, yeah. I thought it was really cool, though. I liked how it made it, it made the stormtroopers more menacing in some ways because, mm-hmm. okay, they still can't shoot, but they're also zombies. Do you really expect zombies to shoot straight at that point? Um, right. But they're, they're harder to take down, right? You take them down and they get right back up and keep going. And yes, they eventually figured out, like, oh, you know, cut off the head or, put your lightsaber mm-hmm. right into the head and, and, and that will, will stop them. But it made it really, really creepy and, and a lot more menacing. Also the death scene, death, like literal dead death troopers with, yeah. you see it's like jaw that's decaying and everything. My goodness, super creepy. <laughs> well, I think, I think the part that kicked off the creep factor was when Thrawn was talking to, uh, when, when Thrawn brought up, do they know, talking to the, the clone troopers, storm troopers, do they know what they are called to do? And Morgan sat there and said, yes, they are willingly doing this. They have volunteered to do this. So you've got a battalion of clone tro- storm troopers, sorry, that are know they're going to go to their death mm-hmm. and know they're going to be reanimated. Yeah. And they do it Only for, to die again. for the Empire, right? Yeah, for the Empire. And I, I really like that because, again, it shows just how much loyalty Thrawn commands. Like, Mm-hmm. that they would do this even that morgan right he 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 sends morgan to buy him time as well and the her reaction is just great where she knows this means one i'm definitely getting left behind and two yeah. if i even if i survive mm-hmm. and there's a good chance i will not survive and she does it anyway and you know when thrawn says for the empire and she says for death of right i i just thought that was all so so well done mm-hmm. There was, yeah, I loved all, all those sequences were fantastic. Um, another one I'm kind of glad that we got is we get the Ahsoka and Sabine kind of one-on-one talk that we knew, we knew was coming, had to. Um, and I think we talked about last week, like we were really hopeful that this would not be like a dramatic scene. It would be much more accepting. And I, I think that's what we got, you know, Ahsoka, mm-hmm. Sabine apologizes for everything that happened. Ahsoka is just like, yep, I know it's okay. And I'm so glad that's all the time we spent on it. <laughs> well, and it, it yeah. shows that Ahsoka, I feel like this this shows her character growth here, where she learned 
from the last few episodes with the world between worlds and seeing Anakin again that yeah, Anakin made bad, some very, very bad decisions, but he was always supportive of her and he was a good master. Um, he, he didn't really want an apprentice at first, uh, but he, ultimately did a, a a good job right and he always stood behind you know behind her he always backed her up even when no one else did and i think ahsoka it took her a while to realize that she hadn't been doing that for sabine and that mm-hmm. she needed to right regardless of sabine's choices she needs to back her up and support her and trust her and uh and i that i think is why they didn't have this massive conflict. And I, I really liked that showed a lot of character growth for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And like Steven said, it kept it short, sweet and to the point. Let's move on. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. The only thing yeah. I wasn't as big a fan of is we get, we get our obligatory, like classic star Wars line reference. And they, they kind of tried to make it a little more subtle with the, like, I try, I do, uh, <laughs> but it still wasn't subtle. <laughs> It was it was very not subtle. There was there was another one earlier in the scene too, uh, which was a little more subtle. Where uh, Ahsoka says, or I'm trying to remember, was Ahsoka or Sabine? One of them says, "I'm sorry," and the other says, "I know," which is a nice, you know, that was a little more subtle there. Uh, but yeah, two two in two in one sequence. It, it was a it was a mm. bit of a bummer that Hu Yang told Ezra about. Sabine and the two of them didn't get to talk about it like Sabine and Ezra about her whole backstory and how she lost her whole family and it was just kind of Mm -hmm. we never really saw it again we didn't really get to see Ezra try to be there for his sister effectively Um, but that's okay so then Thrawn sends some TIE fighters to attack the Nazi convoy and uh they get the jump on them. Like they immediately disable the 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 ship, the stabilizer, and Ezra. I was and... So frustrated. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go, really? Go, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Take this, even very briefly. Do you know how many shots the T six has taken this season, and it's I... had zero impact on it? Well, it didn't have its right. shields up. Okay. I mean, <laughs> and all... why would and you all... have your shields up in this situation, though? Like. You were dogfighting literally not that long ago before Thrawn called the fighters off. Like, yeah, it, and yeah, it and, just it was and also and also remember, do they not have it's sensors? Got, it's got a rear. It's got a rear gun pod. Yeah. Okay? No, I, 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 I was a bit surprised they were taken. They were taken by surprise, just given that they have to have sensors, right? Did they not see the TIE fighters coming? At the, You've also like, got three Jedi aboard. Right, yeah, three Jedi. Did nobody send anything through the Force? They didn't well, see anything on the scanners. Two, two, two and a half, two and a half, two and a half Jedi. It, yeah, it, it really, that's yeah. true. It really, two and a quarter, I don't know. Uh, it really felt like a, it felt like a, they needed to get Ahsoka's ship out of the picture. And so, yep. as a result, they just yeah. contrived a way to destroy it versus having, I don't know, having the ties or in the last episode shoot it down or something. I feel like that would have, that is what needed to happen. I think. Um, and it would have set up this episode much more dramatically. Like if Ezra had built and built his lightsaber sometime last episode, maybe then they get, they get shot down. I guess the timing on that's kind of weird. Cause like the fighters have to be there, go away and then come back, which is basically what happened. But like, mm-hmm. 
I mean, he, the, the ship clearly was functional. It could have gotten shot down, and he built his lightsaber, and then they head out, right? It's there's yeah. no reason the ship had to even be yeah, functional. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because yeah. it just they they repaired that ship so fast. It took them, you know, like just enough time for them to do the fun action sequences, and then when they needed an escape, oh look, the ship's ready to go. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, well. It was, it was all very clearly the needs of the story, not, yes. uh, you know, anything else. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, there was no logical reason for any of these things to happen other than that, so the story could happen. Yeah, and it also appears that the Naughty are pretty good with electronics because they were inside helping repair that ship. That's true. So, Maybe. I don't, I don't know if I would really want them climbing around. Well, would you, would you rather have them or Womp Rats? Well, and they, they try to That's explain it by true. saying that Huyang has been, you know, keeping the ship in flying since, you know, before Ahsoka was born or whatever it was. But I don't know. It just, it felt a little easy. Like, like the ship crashed. It looked really bad. It went nose first. It, it looked it, bad. On, in yeah, the gra- it you went know. nose first. And I, I don't know. It, I think it is made all the more jarring because of how impervious that ship has been throughout this show. Like, Agreed. more than anything else, it was the plot needs this, therefore the ship does this. Right. Um, but it does give us, you know, a very cool sequence with Ahsoka Sabine and Ezra, like you said earlier, Tom, like Ryan the Howlers towards the Night Sister oh, Fortress. I um, love that. That was yeah. so good. And I feel like that is when the show finally started to get some urgency and finally started to get momentum. And I yeah. was like, yes, I'm, I'm here for this. Like, seeing the 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 camera just just rain gunfire down upon them like overhead as they gallop across the plains it was just so good it was so Beautiful. good but but i think what also made it was wasn't that when thrawn sat there and said in so many words i am not going to lose to anakin skywalker's padawan mm-hmm. so that made it even more you know it, it, that's that's the one thing right now when it comes to thrawn okay he sends two TIE fighters to basically destroy the ship. He fully accepts them being lost. He goes, that's an acceptable loss that, you know, they're not coming back. Yep. He's lost Morgan Esmith. She's Morgan. She's gone or she will be soon. Um, but th- there's no, I- I'm not getting that Thrawn yet. Yeah. I think he's, he really has one scene and it, it's more almost an in-joke than it is like tactical genius. But the mm-hmm. one thing that I think where he exudes that is as he's leaving um, and he tells, uh, I don't remember if it's the Night Sisters or who, he's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not making deals with Anakin Skywalker's apprentice. Right. Like Anakin Skywalker had one gear and it was go. Like we're mm-hmm. just, we're not even going to go down that path. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was the one moment of like Thrawn understanding his opponent and, kind of like uh, accounting for it. Um, I don't right. think that's necessarily like the right word to describe it, but it was, it was the closest I think we were going to get in this yeah. particular show. And and that, that I agree with. I just, I, I just, I want to see Thrawn is what I really want to see. Yeah. And go, go ahead. No, I was going to add, I don't think we really got to see his true tactical genius in this, Not yet. in this show. I mean, you could make the argument we didn't really even see it at quite as much in Rebels as maybe we wanted to, but it was certainly there. Um, I think the it, this episode, though, I think was Thrawn's best performance yet, at least as far mm-hmm. as trying to counter the 
the heroes and, and giving them a, a, a challenge, right? It, it You could tell it, it was d- challenging for them to make it in time. It didn't feel easy. Uh, no. And so I, I really appreciated that. Uh, it, it, you know, it looked like they were having a, a hard time, whether it was, you know, getting to just getting to the fortress, making it their way through the, the, the undead stormtroopers, the night troopers, and then Morgan Elsbeth, and then, you know, it's too late. We'll get into all that stuff. But I, I appreciated how Thrawn is, I feel like he's, he's on his way to being his, his true self. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's getting there. Yeah. yeah. He's getting there. Do you guys think, so, you know, I, talking about as the, they were heading into the, the main fortress, we, we get the first, I think moment where Ezra and, and, uh, and mostly Ahsoka here actually try to show Sabine they believe in her and that she can use the force, right? They're, they're, they're rushing to the gate and the gate's closing and Ezra and Ahsoka asks Ezra and Sabine for help opening the gate. Of course, it's it's difficult to tell. Did, did, it do, did she do actually do anything? I don't know what you guys think. I don't think so. I don't think I so think either. I think, I think it was just been, kind of... It would have been minuscule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was nice, right? Yeah, they, they, they tried to support her. And later, of course, that's when um, we, we see it. her actually start to, to tap into the Force. But mm. we'll, we'll cover that in a few minutes. Um, now, now, this is... I'm going to get to the point where this is where, I think for me, when it comes to them battling the death troopers or or the zombie troopers, this is where I had a problem with the show. Because sometimes during that fight scene, it looked so lackadaisical. It looked so off. The characters looked like they were just there. I, I had I had a pro, and it wasn't when they were going up the stairs. It was when yeah, it's, the troopers- It's in that were, opening sequence. There's- yes, thank you. Thank you. You know no, what I'm I, talking about. I do know the scene, the kind of sequence yeah. we were talking about. It, in some ways, it felt to me like they were trying to, um, like, they're they're the Jedi are protecting the space almost versus like advancing. Yes. Um. It's yeah. It was a little bit weird. It felt tactically like a, a kind of odd choice. Like sticking on the defensive isn't going to get you, I think, where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I, I do agree. I it was okay. a little bit lacking in punch for that part of it until they finally yeah. like moved into the death troopers and actually started fighting with them. Right, and then when they started going up the stairs, and you did feel tension because they're like, okay, uh, uh, destroy the, the you know d- destroy the controls so the doors can come down, and then they're just like, okay, we got a breather. Well, now they're gonna sit there and blow the doors open, so you've got to move again. So there was yeah. that tension that was being built at that point when they were trying to get up to the top to try and stop Thrawn. Yeah. I re- I, I like that whole, that whole sequence quite a bit. Yeah. That whole sequence. It was from, really cool. From that one point on was great. Yeah. And it was, it was certainly creepy, right? When they're, they're fighting off the, the, they're fighting the night troopers and they, they think they've won and then they all start standing up and their eyes turn green. The little lenses turn green. It was, it was definitely creepy for sure. And- and, and wasn't it Sabine who sat there and said, "Well, that's a new one." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I mean, they've they fought. They have. She has. She and Ezra have fought the Night Sisters before. She and Kanan were possessed by the Night Sisters, and Ezra has to save them. Uh, and so, yeah. But it's you know, yeah, they're not wrong. Um, it's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. 
they, you know, Ezra and Sabine are basically they they run into that central room and that's where Morgan Elsbeth is 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 waiting for them. And so Soka sends the the two kids <laughs> off to go upstairs uh to go pursue Theron and she stays to fight Morgan. I thought this this fight was pretty cool. I I thought I really liked the action this, in this. This one, they, I don't know what it is. Something like, I feel like, I guess this one wasn't directed by Filoni, but I, this was seemed to be a trend throughout a lot of the episodes we saw. Um, when there's obviously these like larger group sequences with like, you know, lots of troopers and one, you know, one or more Jedi, I felt like the battles didn't feel like they were choreographed quite well, uh, very mm. well. When it was like Ahsoka v. Morgan or Ahsoka v. Balin or Ahsoka v. Balin 2, like, or Shin v. Sabine, it generally felt like it was a lot tighter and a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, this fight in particular, like, Morgan was f- fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. super easy fighting it. style, like, definitely terrifying. Um, I, I wish more of the show was like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also, the one thing I did appreciate and this to me was choreographed. This is what I liked about when you had Sabine and Ezra fighting the troopers. I liked it that they were able to, like I mentioned and referred to before, when Kanan was trying to, was basically teaching uh, Sabine, fight dirty, fight Mandalorian plus Jedi way. And in this fight, she did do that. She had mm-hmm. the lightsaber out, plus she had the blaster out. So she basically, in a way, was fighting the way, not just a Jedi, but fighting Jedi slash Mandalorian through this. And I thought that that fight was choreographed very well because you got to see basically both sides of her fight. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, yeah. and seeing Ezra with the lightsaber again is just so much fun. Oh, yeah. Right. I love it. Yeah. And he, he's gone back to a blue I, lightsaber as well, which is nice. Um, yeah. So I think Ezra may have been the best cast character in the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. <laughs> he just uh, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he just did Iman an Fundy. amazing job. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, an amazing job throughout the show, like exuded Ezra in every way from like that kind of boyishness that Ezra always had his camaraderie, his loyalty, like just all there in spades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, even though he's older and a little more wiser and he's got a big old bushy beard, he's yeah, he, he feels just distinctly like Ezra and you know, Natasha Leo also fantastic as Sabine. I think we'll break down all the different characters in our recap and, and, and go through them. But yeah, Ezra, Ezra and Sabine were, I think were the two best cast characters mm-hmm. uh, in this, in this series and, and for, for good reason. And, and they're, they're, yeah, their duels against the, the death troopers was really, yeah, really was cool. A lot of fun to follow. Yeah. Like, and you know, when like Ezra stabs one in the chest and it's just completely unfazed, you know, or uh, the other one's choking Sabine and she finally uses the force for the first time to pull the lightsaber into her hand. It's a, it's such a great, it's such a great moment. How did you guys feel seeing, and we speculated about what might happen with Sabine and, and the force. How did you guys feel seeing her officially finally connect to the force? So I, I liked it here. Uh this felt like a good uh, finishing or like culmination of that arc. We started with, you know, her trying to move the cup on, you know, the, the ship. Um, I, I have some, some feelings on, you know, other parts of it, but I, this, this felt like the right moment for, for me. Like it's an appropriate amount of forcibility being used. Mm-hmm. 
I think it I think it worked well too. And I think for me, I kind of I kind of liken it to like a a Green Lantern. A Green Lantern uses a ring because of um, their willpower, and it's if you don't have that strong willpower, you really cannot get a construct for the ring. And I think in this case, because Sabine was in a position to where she needed to really concentrate and use it, it was that will to use the force that actually got her to actually bring it out and was able to pull the lightsaber to her. Yeah, I it, I, I agree. I think it was, a, while I know we debate, like, should we see her use the force at all in the in the season? I think it worked well having her finally use it when it, when it mattered most. She's about ready to die. She connects to the force, right? Pulls the lightsaber in and just stabs the death trooper in the, in the head. I think it was, it was appropriate and it was, it was well done. Steven, your comments make me think maybe <laughs> the next thing you weren't as big of a fan of. So let's, let's get into yeah. that. The, the, okay. They're, they're too late. The chimera has left there. There's a ever widening gap as the ship, you know, begins moving off. And Ezra does a very impressive force jump, which I, I appreciated and makes it over because Sabine uses a massive like force push to kind of carry him the rest of the way. Minus your normal dramatic, look up, we just missed the very edge. Never mind, of course we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, moving the lightsaber, and I, I realize size matters not, etc. Um, the moment Sabine uses it there, starts to feel like all our discussions we had earlier about like, can anyone actually be a Jedi? What it what goes in is involved in it. Like moving the lightsaber in a moment of need, I think we've like Luke in episode five, you know, we've established that as a thing you that happens, you know, as you're learning and so on. Sabine immediately moves from like, yes, I've moved the lightsaber to I've launched a human being like 20 feet further into the air. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it just felt like a little much to me. Um, and it does bring into all those types of questions we had earlier of like, OK, so anyone can use the force at any level. Like Han Solo could be a Luke Skywalker uh, if he spent some time trying to move a cup. Um, I don't think that's really the message they're going for, but like, that's kind of how it felt having Sabine move from lightsaber to throwing Ezra so quickly. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm torn. I think the thing I really appreciate about it is it's a classic rebels move, right? We've seen Kanan and, and, and Ezra throw each other with the force just like that many times. Now they were both very experienced. Sabine is not, I guess you could make the argument that, well, size matters not, right? It's not really about the physical size of the object. Uh, and it's the same innate power, right? It's the same ba- innate ability. You're moving an object with your mind. Um, and but and also, I guess you could also make the argument that just like how she was in danger and it was kind of almost more, she maybe didn't think about it. It just happened, right? Um, in this case, it's her best friend, effectively her brother, right? Who's, if she does not, pull this off she will die and it's 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 a it says a lot to for about Ezra's character that he believed in her so much that I mean he was even a little skeptical right when he found out she was training as a Jedi and yet he believed in her so much that he was willing to jump off a off the top of a massive massive fortress and risk falling plummeting to his death if she doesn't pull it off and she does and so I think maybe it's a little bit of Someone she loves so much right, is, is about ready to die if she doesn't pull this off. It's kind of the same thing. And, of course, Ezra believes in her. 
and maybe that is what that I think is what makes it okay for me and makes it land as a as a nice mo- <laughs> it makes Ezra literally land uh, and is a is a nice moment. But I don't know. I I, I also totally see where you're coming from. I, it 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 pushed the envelope for me just a little bit. I mean, I I kind of agree. She just learned how to pull a lightsaber to her, and now she's going to sit here and push somebody to a Star Destroyer. Although, a tad short, which did set up a pretty good way to get Ezra home, and that little bit of a comedic moment, which you know we've kind of seen before, where people hang off of a Star Destroyer and somebody looks over the edge and you pull them over, and the other guy ends up staying. I mean, it it eh. It, it was know. a cool. I moment. mean, it it yeah. I mean, it 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 worked to get Ezra home. If you think of it from that point of view, yeah. The yeah, I I I thought it was a cool. It was a cool sequence for sure. The thing I liked even more though, in some ways, was how the they almost fake you out, right? With with will Sabine leave because mm. she do, do they almost fake you out, William? Okay, I I actually believe she was gonna leave. I don't know about you. What, oh, I don't know okay. about you guys. I, I didn't. Okay. No, you guys didn't think she was gonna leave. No, I, I didn't. No, I didn't think so either. It's particularly the problem is they do the cut where Sabine's like, "Okay, I'm going." Immediate cut. Yeah, um, that's true. It that felt a little obvious to me, but like, I I get what you're saying, and I appreciate that you know Sabine has spent the entire season running towards Ezra, um, at the expense of Ahsoka, and seeing her make the other choice finally follow Hu Yang's advice and stick together um, yeah. is gratifying. She literally does not run toward Ahsoka or toward Ezra at this point and then runs toward Ahsoka yes. instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what happened because she clearly starts running to Ezra and then she must have stopped like <laughs> mid run and turned around. But uh, it is nice to see her finally come back and, and help Ahsoka and the two of them together fight off Morgan Elsbeth and the, and the night troopers. And it's a, it's a big moment. Cause it means she's, she's stranding herself on a unknown planet. Yep. Not only is she helping Ahsoka, not only is she leaving Ezra behind, I guess it helps that Ezra is, he's on an enemy ship, but not in necessarily in mortal danger. Whereas Ahsoka is, but. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. as of now, yeah. well, as we know, they didn't even know he was on the ship. Because exactly. He was able to cover it. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to cover the whole thing by by somebody saying, "Hey, you know, he was able to get the communicator, listen in on we've got reinforcements coming." And he's like, "No," in so many words, "No, it's okay. He went that way. I'm fine." Classic Ezra. It's <laughs> classic yeah. Ezra. Yeah. Very classic Ezra. Oh, okay. So the the final duel, Morgan again. For a brief moment, I'll be honest. Right. This is the furthest we've seen Ahsoka in the timeline. We yeah. only know there's one season of Ahsoka, then we might get more. I hope we get mm-hmm. more. We only know there's one season, and I think originally it was branded as a limited series. And I thought there's a possibility that they could pick up these storylines under a show with a different name. And it doesn't happen often in Star Wars, but I thought there's a chance, unlikely, but there is a chance that Ahsoka could potentially die here, right? Uh, on her own, trying to sacrifice, save you know Ezra and Sabine, and and hold off, you know, save, allow them to get on the ship so that either she gets stranded or or she dies. I'm glad she did not die, but the fact that Morgan like destroyed one of her lightsabers and it, it was, I guess it was close until Sabine it, turned. Around. It feels like a near thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and especially since she already came close to death earlier in this in the season for that one i feel like was a lot less justified right her her, her death um mm-hmm. but i don't know I, I i could have seen her dying there i'm glad she didn't but i could have seen it i i seriously think they're setting her up for the mortis gods that that whole thing at the end should Let's, we get there yet why don't we hold that for a moment? <laughs> okay all right i'm so excited to get to that there, part so we'll, but we'll yeah okay all right all right all right all right all right uh, so. we you know so we sabine and ahsoka work together they're able to escape alongside uh huyang who arrives you know just in time jumps off the the edge um i think i'm trying to remember does morgan dies right she like, dies how, how did you yeah, feel about oh, her no, death she, she got sliced yeah that's she, right she got sliced and i think she got a lightsaber through her so it wasn't just a blade it was it was the sword and a lightsaber how did you feel about I her death? Fact. I was actually a little sad about it. Um, Cause she's, they did so much to make her such an interesting character. And then it just all kind of disappears, unfortunately. But as Thrawn said, it appeared to be an acceptable loss. Although he was bummed about it. I, I mean, mean, sure. It, that's a Thrawn thing to say. As yeah. a viewer, I thought Morgan was an incredibly like neat character. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. And just when she becomes an official night sister, right, then she yep. she dies. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I want to find out more. I, I wish we could have found out more about, about her, but at least she put up a, a good fight, I thought, and made it. Yeah. She, gave, she gave Ahsoka a, a, a good challenge ultimately um but yeah they you know they, they jump off the fortress onto hu yang's t6 which arrives conveniently just in time <laughs> and you know they, they try to follow the chimera which is now attached itself to the eye of scion it looks like a honestly like it like a you know the jedi jedi, Star. jedi starfighter mm-hmm. from I, I did appreciate that that's just like no that's just how you have to make this work like that's just how hyperspace rings work is they attach to the thing and then you're you know you're good to go um yeah, yeah the whole sequence uh, of it being put together and and the whole clamping thing was so cool to watch yeah 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 and and thron he escapes ahsoka and sabine they get close the the T6 almost makes it to them and Thrawn is able to jump to hyperspace and his I, I just loved his 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 goodbye, right? And yeah, for two reasons. Um you know, one because he tells Ahsoka that she is maybe she doesn't even belong in the other galaxy because she's too much like her master, which is very chilling and very cold. It's a very cold thing to say. Uh, yeah, you, you might turn to the dark side. Maybe you're too dark, too, too horrible, even for this, for the other galaxy. Um, and of course, you know, it's a nice reference to Thrawn and, and Anakin, how they, they teamed up in the book Thrawn Alliances set during, I think it was during the Clone Wars, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a great, it was a great exit for Thrawn, I thought. And that's it. They're, they're stuck. That's- they, yeah, I, yeah. We had a lot of incorrect predictions. This, I think, was the one we kind of got right, which is just, yeah, you know, Sabine and uh, Ahsoka, or at least Ahsoka, being stuck in the galaxy far, far, far away, farther how you, away. How do you feel about that? 
There has to be a reason. And I think that's well, what we're going to get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's, I, I'm actually a little mixed on it right now. Um, my first comment to all of you as the show ended was there better be a season two mm-hmm, announcement mm-hmm. at the end of this. And, uh, you know, we're recording, what, five days-ish after the episode aired? There has not been a season two announcement as of yet. Maybe in the time between us recording and this podcast coming out, it'll be there. But they they left a lot on the table here, um, mm-hmm. as we'll talk about. And that is kind of frustrating, disappointing. Um, and this this is the, the classic example of like, obviously, we have Ahsoka, Sabine, and Hu Yang. Great trio stuck in this galaxy. We don't know how they're going to get home or if they're going to get home. Uh, we've got Shin, we've got Balin, who we'll talk about in a moment. Um, there's a lot of pieces here that just didn't really get wrapped up. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's, it's. I think that's the part that I was so mixed on. I, I loved a lot of this. I think it was inevitable that Thrawn would escape. Um, yep. uh, leaving Ahsoka in the other galaxy, I think that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. If we get another season. And, and you could say, well, maybe this explains why she's not in the sequel trilogy. But we've got a lot of time until that happens. Um, or maybe this isn't, isn't why she's around when Luke's Jedi temple fails. Right. Again. Okay, fine. I mean, Ezra is now back home. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little more in a little bit. So he could be around for a lot of this stuff. You know, I wonder what he'll get up to, but yeah, the question is how, how soon does, how soon does Ahsoka get to go home? Does she stay in the other galaxy for, years right do they say no we're not gonna we're not gonna do another season we'll just pick it up in a in a movie or i i don't know like i feel like they they spent so much time trying to get ezra home from the other galaxy and they did it but now they've effectively just swapped places Mm -hmm. and i think that's where i'm a little torn if we knew there was another season coming or that they wanted to make another season that would be one thing i think it's the it's the unknown that that was i think the first part of my disappointment it's it's the unknown for the fan, but I'm pretty sure that Dave Filoni and everybody who's oh, behind I'm sure. the show I'm sure. has a feeling. Yeah, yeah. And that's and no. that's the thing that's frustrating because I would love to have some kind of announcement of if it's going to be a season two or if somehow this is going to be wrapped up in the the quote unquote Filoni movie. I but even that Filoni movie was supposed to be like what, four years in the future? Yeah. Like it's a long we, time to wait. Are we expecting to kn- Well in the I mean, between yeah, the writer's strike and writer's strike, actor strike, yep. uh, yeah. Disney kind of backing away from Disney Plus in some ways, at least in, on the glut of content that they'd kind of been putting together. And without a season announcement, maybe Dave Filoni's already re- wrote written what happens next. Right. But it takes yep. a good two years to film it and get it to the screen. So we're probably looking at at least two years before we find out what happens. That's made all it's, the more bittersweet by the fact that, and you know, we'll get into this in a couple minutes, but some of the cast is no longer with us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And that leaves all sorts of questions for what will happen to those storylines. And yeah, it's, I think that is what made it so bittersweet. I was hoping, I was hoping we get more with Balin. I was hoping yeah. maybe Ahsoka would come back to the galaxy and then we'll find out what happens next. Even if it's like, Oh my gosh, Thrawn's unleashed on the galaxy. That said, I think there's a lot of hints that if you look closely at the epilogue of this this finale, there's some really awesome stuff. Really, really awesome there's, stuff. 
there's a very there's... clear season two setup. Like, yes, Shin, there is. Shin walking towards the mercenaries and having her take her next step towards being like, you know, the mercenary leader, you know, ruthless, you know, uh, t- out to achieve her own ends, I think would fit. Mm-hmm. Um, Thrawn arrives at they... Dathomir as well. And yep. yep. That's so our first time seeing Dathomir in live action, right? Um, and and the question of why did he go to Dathomir? That we we kind of have an idea because there's a bunch of caskets on on the Chimera. Well, are they are they caskets? Why is that? Well, but okay. So they didn't they come from from beneath the temple? They they did call North them the catacombs. Um, Morgan catacombs. calls them the catacombs. But in a line in this episode, um. Ezra tells Sabine that Thrawn found the Night Sisters' fortress, woke up the Great Mothers, and then rebuilt the Chimera. That tells me, are they all in stasis? Yeah, I I suspect uh, whether they're alive or dead is kind of irrelevant. That's true. (laughs) They will be alive at some point. (laughs) The Night Sisters are filling the role of the Nogri in the Thrawn trilogy. They're Thrawn's personal army assassin. The thing that gives him leverage over other Imperial warlords and going into the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. Good point. And we even have some, like, we've only ever seen the Night Sisters. The original Dathomiri from, uh, like, Legends had the, 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 I don't even remember what they were called now, but, like, the Good Witches, effectively. Um, I could see them going down that route if we eventually do want to do the, you know, Thrawn being stabbed in the back by his personal bodyguard. Mm-hmm. I could see that potentially in the future if he ends up betraying the Night Sisters or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but it's very clearly meant to be like this is this is the the egg from which Thrawn will build his empire. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll bring the warlords, the other warlords in line, the Shadow Council, and then we'll move forward. Um Ezra gets reunited with Hera, which leads to a very nice mirror of the opening sequence with... Uh, That's a good point. You know, a, yeah. A classic Jedi shuttle arriving with old Jedi codes, presumably. Yeah. And the New Republic being like, no, no, we're not buying this this time. I just like that I'm Ezra... Not- I, it doesn't make any sense logically. Like, why is Ezra still in night trooper armor after a long flight? Nope. But it's, it, a again, a classic Ezra move to get out of a, you know, be in Stormtrooper armor. It's like, that's mm-hmm. peak Ezra. And so I liked that moment from that standpoint. The other thing I find fascinating is Chopper going up to him and basically, let's say, sensing that there's nothing wrong. It's almost like a dog going up to an old master or, you know, a master I haven't seen in a while and sniffing and just like, oh my God, I know this person. And here's yeah. Chopper just rolling up to a Stormtrooper and it's like, oh, I know you. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. The reunion, again, was really nice. I like seeing, I'm so glad he's back home and that maybe we'll get a lot more of him in in other in other works. Okay? I, I, I hope we do, because he's so good, like we talked about. He's just fantastic yeah. as Ezra. Mm-hmm. So there's so much great there. You know, Sabine and Ahsoka and Hu Yang, they're now hanging out with the Nati again. And... Um, Ahsoka doesn't seem that worried, right? She's like, oh, Ezra's wherever he needs to be, and so are we. It's time to move on. That tells me that maybe there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency to get off out of off world. Maybe they could use the Purgle again, but that seems almost too easy since we've already seen them use the Purgle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. Like that's yeah. I I the, it feels like I, yeah. I suspect we'll see the world between worlds again. Well, I well, think we have to because okay. there's two things. One, 
we see Morai sitting right. nearby near Ahsoka, which is so cool. Of course, those you know who may not remember or may not have seen Rebels and Clone Wars, Morai is the convor, the bird that represents the daughter from the Mortis trilogy and is often seen near Ahsoka in pivotal moments, whether it's in Rebels or um, or whatnot. Um, that is our first hint. And then we finally, finally see Balin. And it has been, he is like disappeared from the show. And it's unfortunate because he's, Ray Stevenson played Balin so perfectly. Balin mm-hmm. is, I think, yeah. the most interesting character in the show. And that's saying something. I just love his character and I love the journey he's been on. Like we, we wondered what is this power he's searching for? And I think we finally get our, some amount of an answer in this episode because in the epilogue, we see him journeying through the mountains and at first just looks like a cool mountain and the camera pulls back to reveal he's standing on a statue and the hand of a statue that I don't know about you guys looks a heck of a lot like the father and the son and the the Mortis gods from Mortis, the ones you can clearly see the father pointing Mm -hmm. towards something. The son is on his left Again, played by Sam Witwer, right? That's that's like the animated version of Sam Witwer's face, basically, there. And to his right, to the father's right, the remains of the daughter. That unlocks so much. Okay, so I Tom, your thoughts okay. first on this. Okay. What does this mean for the show my, going forward? My thoughts on this are this. I get this feeling. Because we did see, at the end, we did see a force ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Okay. So, if we remember from the Mortis trilogy, the father actually wanted Anakin to take his place. Okay. So, I'm thinking this. If Ahsoka is where she's supposed to be, and the Morai is following her, and you've got Balin there as well, and now you've got Anakin. Couldn't this now be a true possible representation of the new Mortis gods? Because you've got Ahsoka now replacing the daughter. You've got Balin basically replacing the son. And you've got Anakin as the father. And then there you have basically Hmm. your balance in the force. Now, what the father is pointing to, here's the question. The father is pointing to something. No clue what that is. Oh, it was a glowing light okay. in the distance. Sure, certainly looks like a glowing light. There was? Yes. Oops. Okay, the, I missed that. I missed that. And he's in I, the mountains. I, and if you'll recall, in the Mortis trilogy, the place where they live is in the mountains. I think he might be pointing at Mortis. Like, I think we found uh, Mortis. Okay. <laughs> okay, Stephen, your thoughts. <laughs> I, like my, I like my idea. I like my ideas. You might be right. You might be right. I, yeah. But, but, but Stephen, what do you think? I mean, William said his part. I've said my part. What do you think? So God, William, you remember the question you asked earlier around like how, how did people who like hadn't watched Clone Wars and Rebels feel about like seeing the night sister magic? Um, the world between worlds, as we saw it in Ahsoka, I suspect worked here just because, it actually was a very tame version. It was basically yeah. just like a vision scape. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I have trouble imagining how people will respond to the Mortis gods. 
<laughs> and what is genuinely one of the weirdest arcs we ever got out of anything in Star Wars. Um, for what it's it worth, is, I, uh, it's one of my favorite arcs of the Clone Wars. But yes, mm-hmm. I agree. It's it's definitely out know, there. <laughs> I understand. And I'm not, this isn't to say that the Mortis arc is bad. Yo, I, get, I get you. I get you. Either. Yeah. It It is the equivalent of like, I mean, and this will be a very good example. It is the equivalent of, oh, yeah, like uh, uh, Sabine, of course you can use the Force. You've got a high midi-chlorine count. We can test it in your blood. It is it is the equivalent of that moment in episode one. I pick Sabine, but or pick Anakin, like whatever. It is the like, why why are we introducing this? Like we didn't need no one had if you again if you haven't watched it like no one asked for the Mortis trilogy, um, or literal gods or representations of good and evil like however you want to define that. It is completely out there, and I don't know how a general audience will react. And we'll talk about this more, I think, and I'm going to tease this as a thought for the the broader season recap. Um, Andor and Ahsoka, in my mind, stand as two very different approaches to producing Star Wars content. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Andor is the, we're just going to make one of the best, like, political dramas, like, spy thrillers, and it happens, he said, in the Star Wars universe. Mm. And it's amazing. Like, Andor, you didn't need to know anything other than, like, the Empire is kind of bad. <laughs> like, that's that's about the equivalent. Um, and it works supremely well. Ahsoka is a follow-on to the... Good. I'm glad, you, like, for background reading, please watch, you know, seven to eight seasons of Clone Wars, five seasons of Rebels. Make sure you go read these comics, too. Um, you know, whatever, or plus these novels. It is the the ultimate Star Wars fans uh, journey. And I think it's worked thus far because A, Filoni's been kept to animation mm-hmm. and animation has never had that kind of real Star Wars kind of vibe to it. Like it ha- if you're involved in it, it, you obviously felt that way. But if you didn't watch animation, you never felt like you were missing out on real Star Wars. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's um, incredible stories, but they were, yes. Animation yeah, for whatever reason is a... It's a higher bar for non-fans, I guess I'll, yes. I'll, I'll say. Yeah. Well, and it, and it, it doesn't have the same level of uh, canonicity to it in the same way that books don't and, you know, as you comics don't as you go down the stream. Yeah, I mean, it always uh, has impact, but you're, you're right. With fewer movies at the time and everything, like there were no other movies. And so it's like, yeah, oh, you, yes. you didn't really miss there, anything. Yeah, I know. that. Yes. But yeah. my broader point is uh, this is sim- this is the equivalent of like. Live action is elevating it, especially yeah. now. Sorry, live action TV. And with this kind of weird new like streaming service era we've entered, um, tackling Mortis is a fascinating concept. Um, I actually would bet money, and maybe I'll make, I'm, I've lost so many bets on Ahsoka in particular, <laughs> but like, um, I, I actually feel pretty confident. I think whatever you think we will get with Mortis, you you are way overestimating it, just like we did with the world between worlds. Because yeah. for all the faults I think Ahsoka has as far as like relying on all these this past material, it I doesn't think Filoni is smart enough to know mm-hmm. world between worlds where we're doing time portal jumps ain't, ain't what people are looking for. Um, there's a segment yeah. of the audience that loves it and would want to see that. There's a segment that would love to see you know, Ahsoka die and Mortis again. And 
the, the, the you know the sister transfers her spirit in and or sorry the daughter not the sister um like all those things made perfect sense in animation i don't think we'll get anything close to that in uh like whatever comes next and, and, I, and I i don't think we'll see the father i don't think we'll see the brother or uh the son i don't think we'll see the daughter um i think we may get something about like what the father was trying to contain or keep back or, um, you know, the power that may be behind Mortis. Um, but it will be construed in a much more, um, neutral way. Like we may get the, like a Jedi, uh, an ancient holocron equivalent, something along those lines. That is a, a, a power source of power source of the force, mm -hmm. uh, a Kyber crystal, you know, something along those lines that Balin ends up searching for. And as a heavier, as a, uh, an involved fan, it will be part of and built into the Mortis lore. But I don't think we're going to tackle it as deeply as you might be thinking at the moment. I'd, I'd have to agree with Stephen because I think if they did take that kind of a leap, then you would lose a lot of viewers because they they should try and keep the story as clean and neat and not narrow, but keep it as clean as possible so where you don't lose the viewership and get so into the weeds that you're really paying fan service to like those of us who know what Mortis is, who know, you know, the heir to the empire books, who know all the clone war stuff, because you don't want to lose that audience. If you're trying to build something on Disney plus to carry on other star Wars shows. Because if you start getting to a point to where you're getting that narrow, you're going to lose the wider audience to where you want to bring them into the property, not start throwing them away saying, well, this is just too involved for me. I'm not going to be watching these anymore. Yeah, I, I think I think, Stephen, you're right. As much as I would love to go deep into Mortis, it'll probably be maybe we go to Mortis, right? It's the same place. There's they they can refer to it in some way. But it's not quite the same deep level mythology you know, yet. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's something they build yeah. to, right? Maybe it's something they build to over time. I, I'm just excited to see what they do with the second season because it, it, it kind of feels like, to me, Ahsoka has sent Thrawn back to our galaxy so he can be the star of Heir to the Empire. And you've mm -hmm. got the Night Sisters and Thrawn, and that's Heir to the Empire, and that's Dave Filoni's movie. And that is what happened. That's what's going to be. Uh, I don't know how far into the Night Sister magic they go necessarily in Heir to the Empire, but that that becomes Dave Filoni's movie, and they've set that up. Meanwhile, Ahsoka season two is all about Ahsoka and Sabine and Balin in another galaxy, with whatever power or the world between world uh, world between worlds or Mortis or I don't know. I don't really know exactly what, but. I think that's what they're going to do. And they're, they're kind of, I think Thrawn might be done in Ahsoka and the rest of it is this new galaxy. Now, of course we've said I, that we said, a hero was not going to show up in any more episodes and we were wrong many times. So who knows? I could yeah, be completely right. off base, but I think it's kind of, this season is really, it's, it's challenging because in many ways this is, it's, it's a sequel to rebels, but it's also a sequel to the clone wars, mm -hmm. which is, is fantastic as someone who loves both shows. But it's, and we should talk about this more in our season recap, but I don't know 
how accessible it is to non-fans, given that it relies on a lot of this information. And it is effectively just a setup, beautifully shot, a wonderful series, and a lot of things I loved, but it's really just getting all the pieces in place for the second season and for the Thrawn movie. That's ultimately kind of what it feels like. And so I think that's where pulling it back around to, to this season, right? I and this episode in particular, I was torn at the end because it feels like they made a lot of progress, but they also didn't make a lot of progress. They got Thrawn home. They Mm -hmm. got Ezra home, Ahsoka and Sabine. I feel like swap places with them. That's a lot of progress. And and Ahsoka had a lot of character growth and Sabine is now, you know, can use the force. And so there's been a lot of growth in these characters and they've made a lot of progress in many ways. Um, And Balin is such a cool character, right? And they're setting up some really interesting plot points. But also, it kind of feels like they, they're they kind of back where they started, right? And, and, no, we, and, no, they're not back where they started. Ezra's now... Well, well, they, the they swapped, couch. but like from a... Yeah, yeah totally but, different. Yeah, exactly. But but ultimately, it was all about finding... It, it was all about finding Ezra, and they lost him again, right? And that's and, and they, yep. they swapped places, and they're, they're far apart, and they have to get home, and they have to get to another galaxy. And so in some ways, it's like, well, they're... It's the inverse of where they started, but it kind of feels like they're back in the same spot and between that and and, and Balin's story is the most interesting and of course they didn't know this at the time while they were writing it and filming it but you know as you all know Ray Stevenson passed away and our hearts go out to his family um but like I does that end his story right or do they do they recast him or do they just gloss over it and just write him out that I think I I was hoping for more because we knew you're gonna have to recast him yeah. I think you have yeah. to, but Disney doesn't often. And so I think that also watching, I was sad because I, I wanted to see more from him and knowing that we will never get to see more from him is, is also a little bittersweet. And so I think yeah. that's, that's where some of that tension in the finale is where it's like, Oh, there's so much awesomeness, so much awesome. But also, uh, I don't know. Like, do, will we ever get to see this finished? We don't have a confirmation of a season two. We, certain characters will never be able to return at least in the current the, the original you know uh, with the original actors and we're kind of back in the same spot so that's kind of how i felt where i was i was very torn after but i don't know do you, what do you guys think i think they're gonna have to recast ray steven's character it's gonna be very bittersweet how they're gonna recast who they're gonna recast it's it's gonna be fascinating but that is a storyline that they set up, they need to pay off. They can't pay it off with Shin because she's got her own storyline. They can't pay it off with Ahsoka because so far at this point, Ahsoka and Sabine have their own storyline. They set up Ray Stevens, Balin's storyline, standing there on the hand of the father, looking at something. That has to be paid off. My biggest thing, if you're going to do a Thrawn movie, it better be all hell's broken loose within the galaxy. And it has to be Thrawn being Thrawn. It can't be a thing in which you start out nice and sweet and, hey, you know, we're back in the galaxy and, oh, there's rumor there's Thrawn. Oh, there's rumors there's Thrawn. No, it's, oh, there's rumors there's Thrawn. Oh, my God, here he comes. I mean, that's, if you're going to use Thrawn, you use Thrawn. Yeah. Yeah. So, hypothetically, Tom... Yes. If you if you had to give this finale, let's say a rating, hypothetically, hypothetically, I, you know, except not hypothetically, because I'm I you, you actually do have to. <laughs> no, I actually I no, and I I am gonna. I, 
I'll tell you, I was so torn with this episode. I, I, I sat here and after I watched it, I put the rating down. I watched it again. I'm going to stand by this rating. I'm giving it a 7.5. I think on a lot of levels, it did work. There's the one section that we talked about that I had such a problem with that it just looked like it was a walkthrough. I just, it's, I'm torn with this episode. I liked it, but I really can't give it higher than this because there's just so much open-endedness to this. And I, I got to give it a 7.5. I, I think we discussed it all through the episode. And I think my, my thoughts are going to stay where they are within the episode. I can't speculate anymore. So I'm going to take my five, my 7.5 Womp Rats. And, you know, when Ezra was on the Chimera, somebody had to keep him company. And on top of that, run interference to where somebody thought there was somebody sneaking around the Chimera. Well, it really wasn't Ezra. It was the Womp Rats that were running interference to make sure Ezra never got caught. Sadly, 0.5 Womp Rat did, mm -hmm. but the rest of them were able to, to run interference for Ezra, and that's how he was able to get home without being discovered by Thrawn. William, how about you? Yeah, I, man, I, I'm excited to review this whole season because it's just been... I, there's so much to to love. This episode, this finale was, it it was, in some ways it was everything I was expecting, and in other ways it was nothing that I was expecting. I think I put that on Twitter. I was trying to figure out what, what do I what do I say in a spoiler free way, and it there was so much I loved. Right, I loved the action, seeing like the 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 undead night troopers was really creepy. The action was great. Ahsoka and Sabine and Ezra are finally where they need to be as characters. Um, we also, I think we didn't even get a chance to mention this, but we, the episode ends right with Ahsoka. Well, Sabine looking off into the distance. It doesn't see anything, but she feels a presence and she starts to walk away and Ahsoka looks there and it's the Force Ghost of Anakin Skywalker. And it is, it's such a perfect moment to end on, right? Because we see Anakin as a Force Ghost appearing to Ahsoka. I, I loved it. it. It's And that's the final shot. It, it was so good. Um, and, you know, Ahsoka has that knowing look like, hey, yeah, it's it's you, Anakin, right? And, and maybe that will play into Mortis in some way. I don't know. But, yeah, there was a, there was a lot... There was a lot to to love about this. The also especially the hints of Mortis and everything else. Oh, so good. At the same time, there was it, it felt like as I mentioned a few minutes ago, they kind of it's not. They, there was a lot of character growth, but it kind of felt like they ended up in the same spot where it was almost like a what was it all for? Because they they just switched places. They're still separated. Thrawn's back in the galaxy, um, and. I just, I wish we'd gotten more with Balin. And again, it's hindsight, right? They they didn't know what would happen. Um, yeah. But we now will never see anything else with Balin. And he was my favorite character in this, in this season. And, and so it's kind of a bummer that we didn't, I, I can't fault them necessarily. They were setting up a new season that just is going to have to be slightly different than they had planned. And um, it makes sense, but it's, it's a little bit of a bummer. And so I think, because of that, as I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, I, there's so much I love, but also there's so much I I wish was different. And the 
I love the Night Sister stuff, but it also could be maybe a little too far for most people. Uh, for some people, we'll see. Ultimately, I just can't wait for a new season. I'm very excited. I'm eager to dive in more into this show and break down how it compares to some of the other seasons and the and the our story arcs and stuff when we get into our recap. But for now, there's some great action still. It sets up some really cool stuff. Ultimately, I think I'm going to have to give it eight Womp Rats out of ten. It was really fun. Um, but I, I just wish, oh, so close. I just wish there'd been just a, a little bit more, a little bit more. So my, um, I'm trying to shoot Tom. I can't remember what you said happened to your Womp Rats. So hopefully I'm not doing the same thing, but my, they were running rats, interference for Ezra. Oh, uh, okay. Well, whew, my, yeah. these, these eight Womp Rats, they're, they're undead Womp Rats. I hate to tell you, uh, they're, Oof. so they just keep, they keep coming back for the next They'll, they'll be back in the, the season recap too because they're they didn't die but the eight womp rats <laughs> out of ten mm. steven yeah you it i i struggle to review this episode because it so easily branches into uh reviewing the show as a whole to me this is the most sorry i'm trying to come up with the right words for this this was the most felony show and episode and series that I basically could have imagined. Um, and it, yeah. there's a sense, and I, I guess I'll, I'm going to do like a mini, like the, the 10 second version. It's going to be more than 10 seconds, but like of my like season recap, uh, felony in so many ways is the successor to Lucas when it comes to star Wars. And there we, you know, we've talked about like kind of the hype and, you know, Filoni, you know, learning from Lucas directly for the Clone Wars and so on and so on. Um, I think the biggest through line that I see for both of them and for Ahsoka and in this episode in particular, um, George Lucas has done amazing things, very clearly not perfect. And I think especially and this is so much more clear now in a post-Disney Star Wars era, like particularly looking back at like seven, eight, and nine, um, there is a magic to one through three, four through six, and the work that Lucas put into it. And in particular, uh, the fact that none of those movies, nothing nothing that exists for Star Wars has been perfect thus far. Mm -hmm. Like Lucas is uh, like one, two, and three particularly, like has very, very weak character writing in so many different places. It has you know, cringy dialogue or weird concepts that get introduced, you know, all these types of things. Um, but there's a charm that pulls it all together that is like the Star Wars charm. And Ahsoka has that in so many ways. Cause like, I feel like we've actually sounded kind of negative on the episode as we talk through it. There's a bunch of things in this episode that are super kind of weird and like, oh, I think they maybe went a little too far. I wish they hadn't done this. It didn't really cap off the story like we wanted. And yet there is like a Star Wars magic to it that I think holds true. And that is, that was true of Rebels. It was true of Clone Wars. Like everything Dave Filoni has worked on, I think has this, this same strength and weakness in, and struggle for balance. Um, I think the biggest issue with this kind of final episode is just that like Clone Wars and Rebels before it, the first season in so many ways is Filoni finding the story he's trying to tell, moving pieces into place figuring out the character arcs um, and figuring out the the kind of themes that will define the show going forward. The biggest problem is that there is no follow on to this to build off of that right now. Like, mm. I don't think any of us like, you know, Tom, you and I, and William, you were there for most of it as well. Like when we reviewed Clone Wars season one, 
Uh, Clone Wars season one is very uneven in so many places. Yep. But you get mm-hmm. episodes like Rookies where you're just like, oh, this is this is what it's meant to be. Rebels season one was like, oh, really? This is like we're going from Clone Wars to this? Like that doesn't feel right. And then you get to, you know, like Kanan's sacrifice in season five and you got tears on your streaming down your face and you're like, oh, no, no, there's the... I understand now. That's what this, like this season finale epitomized for me was the like, there are so many good stories that I can feel we're about to get to. And my only frustration is that like, I don't even have any sense of where it's coming to. Um, and in some ways that's not a review of this episode, but I'm gonna make it my review of this episode because I, I think that's the <laughs> predominant feeling I, I have coming out of it. Um, Tom, I think you nailed it. It's like, to me, this is like a solid 7.5. Yeah. It is a solid episode. We, I enjoyed it. Um, I hope we will someday look back on Ahsoka season one and episodes like this as the Ahsoka finding its feet kind of story. Um, and I think the question just in my mind is like, do we, will we get the opportunity to look back on it uh, in such a way? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking for a while. I still haven't really thought up what I want to do for my Womp Rats. Um, so my seven and a half Womp Rats, you know, they're, they've obviously been heavily involved in the fighting thus far. They were left behind when Ahsoka and Thrawn, or not Ahsoka, excuse me, Ezra and Thrawn disappeared. They, you know, they're, the, the, the tower, uh, the Night Sister Tower is crumbling down around them and the Womp Rats are scurrying out and heading out into the wilderness. And then in the distance, you see some lightning and some mountains. And yeah, there you go. Um, I don't okay. know what happened to them. Hopefully we find out. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe the Womp Rats will be recast next season. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, they probably could be. Um, and, and I definitely agree with you, Stephen. I think we will look back on this when we hopefully get a season two. Because I do think with all the storylines that they mm. set within this episode, you need the season two to see them branch out, be told and finish it and then that will that will make this episode feel it's solid enjoyable and william i also agree i know i'm sorry steve i also agree there is that star wars charm in this because just to see you know ahsoka be comfortable that she's where she has to be and the smile on her face and not be so gruff you know it's there but it needs that second season to branch off of everything that's been set here yeah. And I, I do want to say, like, sorry, William, you touched on this and I, I kind of sent us into ratings before we talked about Anakin at the end. Um, I think I wish this kid come through a little bit more strongly in the show. I think the thing Ahsoka did that. Sorry, maybe this is a recap thing, but whatever. I'll, maybe this is a good send off to like tease the recap as our next episode. <laughs> um, I think this season more than anything else was about Ahsoka putting to bed her internal conflict over what it means to have Anakin as a master. Mm-hmm. So many of her mm-hmm. emotional through lines throughout the story are about her tackling and struggling with what it means to have been trained by Anakin Skywalker and to know that he became Darth Vader. And I think mm-hmm. the season ending with her looking at Anakin, Force Ghost Anakin, and him looking at her and them realizing that they've, they've found a piece in their history is huge. Um, and they did, yeah, they did fantastic job bringing back hating christians for so much of it it really helps bring it all together mm-hmm. yeah totally agree well uh this has been a fun a fun review as you said Stephen, this is a i i loved it. i really truly i truly deeply loved this show <laughs> um as anakin would say um 
And there's just so much good about it. What is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. I I wish it were, but you know, nothing is perfect. But you know, I've had fun watching it. I've had fun reviewing it. And I sincerely hope we get a season two. I can't wait for Dave Filoni's movie, which I'm sure will be called Heir to the Empire. And maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it won't be, but I'm I I would I would bet strongly. Um and uh yeah, I'm I'm excited to break down and, and look back, like break down this whole season, look back and 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 discuss everything that happened next time we we chat because it's it's been a it's been such a fun fun show. Every Star Wars show has been special in its own way, but this one is I feel like particularly special for fans of animation and other Star Wars things. So with that, I think that wraps up our review of the Ahsoka finale. We're going to take off I think uh, like two weekends uh, and we'll be back in uh, a few weeks with our review of the entire season of Ahsoka. And then after that, we don't have any dates yet, but at some point we're going to get uh, the premiere of Skeleton Crew. I believe that's the next show on the docket. Um, theoretically. Theoretically. Who theoretically. knows what will happen? Yeah. But it was originally supposed to be this fall, but I I mean, we're into October, you know, third of the way through October and have not heard anything about when Skeleton Crew might be showing up. So it might be a little bit later. I guess we'll see. Um, of course, we got the Acolyte as well. There's a lot of Star Wars and, and, and many other things in the pipeline, too. So, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. But, you know, we'll, we'll take a couple weeks off. we got some uh, travels coming up uh, between the three of us. And then we'll come back. We'll do our recap of the entire Ahsoka season, season, hopefully not series. Now that we've had a chance to, once we've had a chance to digest and, and really think on it and rewatch it and, and that sort of thing. And yeah, thank you all for listening. And may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.